Thank you, Becca. Well, I am pretty wrecked. Um, Spirit of God is here, isn't he? Amazing things happen when God is here. And we're going to look at a moment when God steps into, when Jesus steps into one of the most amazing, significant moments of his life. And we find this in John 12, uh, verse 12. We're going to call the title today, Jesus is Popular. As a little subtitle, I want to call it The Cult Leader. Not cult, C-U-L-T, but cult, C-O-L-T. The Cult Leader, because this is what the Scriptures say. It says, The next day, the huge crowd that had arrived from the feast heard that Jesus was entering Jerusalem. They broke off palm branches and they went out to meet Him. And they cheered, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in God's name. Yes, the King of Israel. Jesus got a young donkey and rode it, just as the scripture has said. No fear, daughter Zion, see how your King comes riding on a donkey's colt. And it goes on. Jesus came and the people were looking for a good king. I was in India not very long ago and um, it just happened to be one of the nights when there was a festival going on. And in this festival, they, they worship um, Vishnu, the god of death in this festival, and they would parade Vishnu through the streets. This great big statue of Vishnu, there'd usually be about six or eight strong guys having to carry this thing. They take it to the nearest expanse of water and give Vishnu a little swim in, in, in the river there, just, just, just for fun, not quite sure all of the meanings around it but I just said to the person that I was with isn't that a bit bizarre they pointed out to me that we have a lot of bizarre ceremonies here as well and uh, particularly I was thinking about this bizarre British ceremony when the opening of parliament happens and her majesty goes to the house of lords in fact she doesn't even go to the house of lords she writes a speech she gives it to somebody else to take there and there's this guy called Black Rod and Black Rod is dressed up in medieval costume black pantyhose you know not a usual fashion choice and there he is and he comes there with the queen's speech where they ceremonially slam the door in his face what, what a strange nation we are. And, and obviously that is to uh, identify the preeminence of, of government, all dating back to when Charles I wanted to take over the government and we didn't like that very much. So we, we sentenced him to death. We said, you can go take your spaniel for a, for a walk. And then when, you, when, when he came back, we took him up to a balcony and we gave him a radical haircut starting here. And, uh, and then Oliver Cromwell takes over and Oliver Cromwell's a real misery. He doesn't want people to have fun and he cancels Christmas. Can you imagine? Oliver Cromwell cancels Christmas. He's a Puritan. Uh, they close down all of the theatres. If a woman was out wearing makeup, the Puritan police would come and they'd scrub the makeup off of her face. And then he dies. And we bury him because we think, you know, he's be- and he gets a great ceremonial burying. But then... Charles II becomes king and they decide, you know what, Oliver Cromwell, he was not a good leader. So they dig him up and they hang him and then get this, then they cut off his head and they leave it on a stick on London Bridge for the next 20 something years. I mean, that's how bizarre we are. Why? Because there was a bad king. There was a bad king. And in this moment, we see that the people are looking for a good king. They have been under the rule of Herod and Herod's four crazy despotic sons. And they are looking desperately, longing for a good king. 
Jesus has been zigzagging to and from uh, the, the, the nation of Israel. And in the last couple of weeks, he has seen, we, we see that um, Jesus and his followers from the northern part of Israel, where he's got an incredible following, they begin to follow him into Judea, Samaria, that area there. And, and these guys, they're not so keen on these messianic leaders. They're not so keen on what is happening, but they cannot deny what they begin to see happening around them. So we read in John chapter 9, um, we read that, Jesus heals a a man born blind and the thrust of that story that we miss a little bit is that this guy was probably born without eyeballs and Jesus spits in the mud, forms mud, puts the mud on his eyes and this person who was born blind receives their sight. Our God is a creative, incredible creative God. The reason these stories are in the scriptures is to inspire us to believe that that God that did that, Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever, can still do those things today. Our God still can form eyes where there are no eyes. Our God still can cause limbs to grow where there are no limbs. Our God is still able to create and to do the impossible. I just feel in my spirit that there's some people here that need some creative miracles. I believe there's somebody here that needs uh, cartilage recreated in one of their knees. I believe that God is doing that right now. I believe that you need to reach out, grab a hold of that and take that. I believe there's somebody that something in your ear where there is a, a, a tube that has been broken that, is, that God is recreating right now. So speak that out and in Jesus' name, just declare that to be done. If that is you and you know that is, that is you, just begin to receive that. Don't worry about anything else I talk about today. Just focus on God and begin to receive what, what he wants to do. But our God is a creative God. And, and, and then and Jesus is passing from there. He goes to, on the road to Jericho. Blind Bartimaeus comes and, uh, and, and Jesus restores his sight to him. And then like the crescendo, and we'll learn more about this in some coming weeks, but Lazarus, Jesus' friend, has died. And the Bible doesn't say he's just died. He's also gone a bit stinky. In fact, in the old King James Version of the Bible, when Jesus says, roll the stone away, they say, but Lord, he stinketh, right? Lazarus has been dead for four days. And Jesus is like, doesn't matter, roll the stone away. And Jesus calls Lazarus out from the grave. And so he is becoming popular in the place where he was not popular before. A lady comes who's a renowned sinner, breaks a flask of perfume on his feet and worships him. And Jesus' popularity is growing and growing and growing. And the, nation, the, the city of Jerusalem has swollen to over three million people for the Passover. Passover, think of Christmas celebrations where, where it's just so much joy, so much festivities. That is what is happening in Jerusalem this day. And everybody's beginning to think, have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard what's been going on? Have you heard these stories? Have you heard about what he is doing? Could this be it? Could this be the revolution? Is he going to overthrow the Romans? Is this it? Come on, everybody. And it, the excitement is reaching fever pitch. And Jesus comes near to this place in John 12 and he enters into into, uh, the land here. And and also another really interesting thing in these moments, those few stories that we read about just before Jesus entering into Jerusalem. Up to this point, we read time and time again of Jesus doing miraculous things. And then he says to people, now don't go and tell anybody. 
right? He says, just, just keep it to yourself. Don't go tell anybody. But now everything changes. And he starts to say, let it be known. Let everybody know. Why, why does Jesus do this? Well, there's all kinds of reasons. But one of the reasons is that Jesus is working to a chronology. He's working to something that God has called him to. And, but now he begins to say, go and tell everybody. Go and tell everybody. There is something really powerful about testimony. When you begin to share what God has done in you, no matter what your story is, you begin to prophesy to the atmosphere and you begin to prophesy to everybody around you what is possible. Deuteronomy chapter 6, God says to the children of Israel, He says that they are to keep the commandments, they are to keep the statutes and they are to keep the testimony. Now the commandments of God are all about how we are are supposed to act. They're all about what we are supposed to do in response to this amazing, loving God. Even the judgment of God, even those things. are. Uh, Mike Bickle talks about how the judgment of God is against anything that stands in the way of God's love. Anything that stands in the way of God's love are things that God says, I do I am not willing to have that in my world. The, the, the statutes are all about how we are supposed to think. But the, the testimony is all about what we are supposed to expect. What we are supposed to expect. So the Ark of the Covenant was known as the Ark of the Testimony because the things that were in the Ark of the Covenant spoke about God's ways. There were the, the, the laws of God. There was the rod that Aaron had that budded and, and that spoke of the, the, the creativity of God, that God is the God that can create out of nothing. And then there was the manna that spoke of the fact that God is a God who provides. Even in your most difficult situation, God is the God who provides. And they were to remember this. They were to remember and to tell their children's children's children about the amazing things that their God had done. In Revelation, it says that the, it says that, that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I realise that that's speaking about something specific there, but the principle behind that is something that we need to apply to our lives. That when we testify to the things that God has done, when we speak those things, we are saying to the atmosphere, we're saying to the powers and principalities, we are saying to every ear that hears it, every eye that sees it, we are saying, the God that did that can do it again. The God that did those things before, and that same God is here today, and He is able to do that again. In fact, the root word of testimony means do it again. Do it again. How many of you want to see how God do it again? When we testify to those things, something is released. Faith begins to rise up. In India, um, in one of the meetings, we were in a, a house church with the Brahmin caste. They're the intellectuals, the intellectual caste in the, in the Indian caste system. They are the ones that are often the most difficult to reach because they believe that they have reached a higher spiritual plane than everybody else. And in this meeting where some of them were believers, some of them weren't believers, God began to give words. And one of the words was for uh, respiratory things. And one of the girls responded to this word for her mother who was back at home with tuberculosis. And um, unknown to me, unknown to the other people there, she responds to this word and she begins to cry out to God for her mother. Afterwards, she runs up to us and she's crying and she says, I've just got off the phone with my mum. My mum phoned me up. She is not a believer. My mum phoned me up and she said to me, have you been praying for me? Because I can breathe. I am completely healed. And she said any time before that, if her mum tried to speak, she would begin to hack and not be able to speak. And God healed her like that in an instant. 
That's what our God can do. And I shared that story in another place. And in that other place, Faith rose up in one of the girls there and she believed God for migraines. And she felt a release of like, she said she felt like a crown of pressure released off of her head. She began to violently shake, fell to the ground. Strange sounds began to came out, come out of her. God totally delivered her and she has not had a migraine since. I had a, a, a message on Facebook the other day, totally healed, totally set free from that. She tells one of her friends who is isn't a Christian. That friend becomes a Christian instantly, tells one of her friends who is suffering from cancer. We go round to their house and we begin to pray for this guy and for his whole family. The whole family give their lives to Jesus in that moment. This guy is visibly touched by the power of God. Now I need to follow that up. I don't know what happened from then. But the power of testimony is that it creates a domino effect. It creates something that happens. I shared that in the nurturing counter day. I arrived back and God began to give words. And one of the words that I felt I felt like a pain go down my neck and go into my shoulders and I shared that and three people responded I didn't think anybody would respond you know but one of the main things about risk about faith is that we have to risk we have to step out I thought it was just me being crazy I thought it was probably just a bit of jet lag flying off on my back but no God spoke through that three people responded and all three of them got touched by the power of God one of them a lady named Mel Campbell Mel are you here Mel I don't think she's here today but she um she began to feel the presence of God in her neck began to feel complete release there and then in total surprise begins to move her hands like this and with bewilderment she says God has healed my hands and God's just doing stuff I share these things with you because it's not that these things happen there it's not that these things it's not a different God in India it's not a different God when we go into these different places he's the same God he's as much here as he is anybody anywhere else we are called to be keepers of the testimony. And that word is really interesting because that word to keep is the same as like a word for a guardian. We are to, we are to guard the testimony and to speak about and to focus on these things. There are amazing things happening in this room. There are incredible things that happened even, even last week. Amazing things going on. We need to be telling the stories. We need to be speaking those things and causing faith to rise. Faith is rising up in this place and they're all there and they begin to cry out. They begin to say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they take palm leaves and they begin to wave these palm leaves. Now, Jesus in this moment, as he's going along, he begins to break down and he begins to weep. And you think that's a strange, that's a strange reaction to what is going on here because there's exuberant worship going on. But the tragedy is, is that they do not know the one that they are worshipping. And you see, Hosanna, the cry Hosanna, which comes from, from um, Psalm 118, it says this in verse 25 to 27, Lord, save us, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God. He has made his light shine on us with bows in hand. Join the feastal procession up to the horns of the altar. And this, this Psalm had become um, like a an anthem of the zealot movement and they wanted to overthrow using power the, uh, the political system of their time and Jesus begins to weep and he begins to say you don't get it you don't get it I, I'm not here to do that I'm here to wage a war but it's way bigger than the war that you are thinking right now it's way bigger than what you are seeing right now and he begins to cry and in Luke's version he, 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 he says if only you knew 
the day of your visitation. And they had been told that during this festival that they were to wave palm branches. One of the main things that they cried out for during this festival was for rain. The waving of palm branches. Just imagine this. Imagine if, if just the... If the few hundred of us in this room began to wave palm branches, it would create this really loud sound. And the sound they create is a sound of a storm, of wind and of rain. If you ever get a chance to hear that, it's amazing. And now consider that with there being thousands, tens of thousands of people, and they're all shaking these palm branches. And they're saying, God, send the rain, send the rain, send the rain. Something amazing how God calls us to... to um, cause our senses to be invaded by what he wants to do. He said to Abraham, go out, look at the stars in the sky if you can number them. That is what your descendants are going to be like. God wants us to put his promises in front of our eyes, put them in our ears, put them in our mouths and to declare what he wants to do amongst us. And so they're shaking these palm branches and they're crying out for rain. They're crying out, they're, they're praying the prayers of Zechariah 10.1 where it says, ask the Lord for rain in the time time of rain is the Lord who sends the thunderstorms he gives showers of rain to all people and plants of the field to everyone you know they they're crying out for something but they don't realize everything that God wants to do Moses spoke Moses says in Exodus 33 verse 13 he says God show me your ways that I may know you It's so important that we're a people that know God, that we're a people that know Him and that are following His lead. You know, sometimes worship can be manipulative. Has any of you ever been in a meeting where you, you know, there's a worship leader and he's a frightful soul and he's at the front and he's like, right, everybody, raise your hands in the air. Okay, now we're going to clap. Right, now everybody's going to kneel and we're free in this house. Yeah, you think so? (laughs) Yeah? Well, I'm so glad we're not in that kind of a church. Worship can sometimes be so manipulated, but God wants us to be a people that are led by his spirit. And you see, worship always has at its heart sacrifice. Has at its heart sacrifice. See, Jesus knew that there was a battle that was going to be waged. He knew that he was going to win that battle. But there was a cross that had to be faced before, before Pentecost. We all, want, we all want the fire. We all want to see the power and the presence of God here. But God's saying, are you, ready to, are, you, are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to lay down your agendas? Are you willing to lay down what you want and to give it all to him, to the king, to just say, God, whatever you want, that's what we're going to go for. Whatever you have for us, God, that is what we are going to go for. And that only happens when we spend that time, when we come into the presence of God, when we make history with God, He will make history through us. When we make history with Him by spending time in His presence, He will make history through you and I. He will do amazing things through us. He says to His disciples, you'll find two men. You'll find two men with a donkey. Tell them that the Lord has need of that donkey. And, um, you know, in the ancient Greek, the word for donkey is masadeo. It's where we get the word Mercedes from. I'm just kidding. I just made that up. That's not true at all. I was totally joking. Thank you for anybody who was furiously writing down notes there, trying to work out how to spell that. 
But the reason I say that is just to get your attention, but also because it was just like taking somebody's Mercedes. This was a, a, a form of transport that was worth a lot of money. I don't know about you, but if somebody came up and started to take my car and said, the Lord has need of it, I'd probably say to them, keep trying to take my car and I'll send you to the Lord who you said has need of it. Right? And they, but, but Jesus sends them to do this. And they take this donkey, a donkey that's never been read. Quite frankly, that frights the living daylights out of me because donkeys are stubborn animals. They don't come with steering wheels or brakes and and Jesus says go and take this donkey and he's fulfilling prophecy here from Zechariah where Zechariah in verse in chapter 9 prophesies that the king would ride in from the east of Jerusalem on a donkey the the colt of a donkey um and Jesus takes this donkey and goes into the the city of Jerusalem and everybody's crying out Hosanna and um He takes this animal that is known for being stubborn and this animal takes the king of glory into the city. God's still looking for donkeys. He's still looking for those that will be willing. Look at the person next to you, say, uh, are you willing to be a donkey? Say to the person on your other side, you smell like a donkey. Um, God's looking for donkeys. You know what, that donkey, that donkey never, he didn't go back to the stable that night and said, Everybody, check me out. Today, I was awesome. I was going through the streets and everybody was shouting Hosanna at me. It was amazing. You should have seen me. Why? Because they weren't shouting Hosanna at the donkey. They were shouting Hosanna at Jesus. That donkey had the privilege of being the one that carried God into the city, carried the glory of God into that moment and into, into, into that time. But it wasn't because of the donkey. It was because of Jesus that the crowds were going wild. You and I get the honour and the privilege to be significant not because of who we are not because of how incredible we are but because of how incredible he is because of what God has done and I don't know if anybody's told you this before but you are significant you are really important to God when the Holy Spirit came on Jesus he said this is my son I am so proud of him he is so awesome and as far as we know Jesus hadn't done anything amazing and I want to tell you today God in heaven is looking at you and he's saying that's my boy that is my girl they are so amazing I am so proud of them we always know when people don't quite get this because if you don't quite get this you either you either partly despise yourself and you try and hide back or you have a kind of false humility if anybody ever tries to compliment you you say something along the lines of well it wasn't me it was the Lord I always want to say to people when they say that it wasn't that good right or we have the other the opposite side of that and we're like wow we're overly impressed with ourselves right The only place that we can come to a real sense of our true significance is in the light of the one who is infinitely more significant than we are and yet chooses to put his fingerprint on us and chooses to say, I want to use you. I want to choose that donkey right there and I want to ride into Little Hampton, Rustington, West Sussex, England. I want to ride into this world using you, using you, Aaron Community Church, even if you smell like donkeys. He wants to use us. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? I heard Bill Johnson tell a story about um, 
in, in his church. He, uh, there's a, the, one of the other leaders, a guy called Chris Valentine, had arrived on staff there, lots of debts, and, um, and Bill Johnson's handed a check. It's folded over, handed a check to give to Chris Valentine. And it's for $30,000. He opens it up. He's like, oh my goodness, Chris Valentine is going to have a party tonight. And he went into a prayer meeting. Everybody's very peacefully praying to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And he goes in there and he hands Chris Valentine this um, check. He opens it up, goes crazy, begins to tell everybody, totally ruins the prayer meeting. Um, but Bill Johnson says, you know what? In no one moment did he turn around and say thank you to me for that check. In no moment did he say thank you to me. Why? Bill Johnson hadn't written that check. Somebody else, he just had the privilege of being the delivery boy of that check. We have the privilege of being the delivery boys and girls for the, for the King of glory, for what he wants to do in our families, in our workplace, in our nation, in this world. We're the generation to reach this generation. No one else is going to do it. It's you and I. We have to stand up and say, even though I'm weak, even though I'm fearful, even though I don't know what to do, God, my eyes are fixed on you and I'll go where you send me. I want to do whatever you tell me to do. I don't mind if I look like a donkey. I don't mind if I, if I look foolish. God, whatever you want, that is where we are going. God is still looking for donkeys. You know what? Being willing to do what you're not qualified is sometimes what qualifies you. Being willing to do what you think that you are not able to do is often exactly the thing that God is looking for. God's looking for donkeys to carry his glory, to carry his presence carry his goodness, to carry his revelation to this place. That's you and I. Let's stand to our feet. Lord God, we want to be people that know you. Lord, we want to be so totally overwhelmed with the beauty of all that you are that we will not be enamoured by ourselves or by anything that this world would have to offer or by any of the amazing things that you want to do through us and in us and for us. Lord God, that our eyes would be fixed on you. Lord, that our eyes and our minds and our ears and our thinking would be filled with things that speak of your promises. Like those palm branches that were waved, Lord God, that we would hear the rain of your Spirit right now.